Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadan Ashraf al-Anbiya'i wal-Mursaleen Wa ala alihi al-Tayyibin al-Tahirin Wa sahabatihi al-Akrameen Wa tabi'ina lawm bi-ihsan ila yawm al-Din Wa alayna ma'ahum wa fihim bi-rahmatika ya arham al-Rahimeen وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَمَّا بَعْدُ يَا عِبَادَ اللَّهِ إِنِّي مُوصِيكُمْ وَنَفْسِي إِيَّايَ بِتَقْوَى اللَّهِ Our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us in his book to be people of taqwa that is people who fulfill his commands inwardly and outwardly and avoid his prohibitions inwardly and outwardly and every command that He gives us subhanahu wa ta'ala is obviously something that is in our own benefit. It is obviously something that will bring our hearts to life and to be, make us and to enable us to be in the way that He wants us to be subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why that we should welcome the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just as we should welcome avoidance of his prohibitions, tabaraka wa ta'ala. And one of the great commands that he's given us, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the command to be with good people. And so we see here that first there is a command in the verse that I will quote to be people of taqwa. And then there is a command to be with the people of sincerity and truthfulness. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in His book, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O you who believe. This is an address from our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the internal etiquette is every time that we hear that, not just the first time, even if we've heard the verse that is going to be recited many, many, many times. Every time that we hear this address, we renew in our heart the response that is pleasing to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our response to his commands should be one of labbaik. Even if we don't utter that outwardly on our tongue, internally the meaning of labbaik is ever at your service, O Lord. Labba ba'da labba. Time and time and time again we respond. Time and time again we are ready. To put into practice as your servants, O Lord, that is what you want us to do. Labba ba'da labba. And this is the meaning of the talbiyah that manifests in the blessed pilgrimage, but also relates to every command and prohibition of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya ayyuhalladina amunattaqullaha wukunu ma'asadikheen. Have taqwa of Allah. And be with the people of sincerity, the sadiqeen, the truthful, those that are true in their nature, that their tongues speak the truth. And even beyond that, they exert themselves completely in everything that it is that they do. And then they move up in degrees of truthfulness where every single one of their states is a testimony to their truthfulness before their Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you look very carefully, 
you will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He addresses us with these blessed words. Notice that He didn't say, وَكُونُوا مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ And be from the people of truth. Be from the sincere. He made the path easier for us. He says, be with the sadiqeen. Be with the people who are sincere. Because naturally, when you are with sincere people, you will also, by the process of osmosis, spiritual osmosis, also become sincere. And we find sometimes, just one little difference makes all the difference. When that Allah Ta'ala is chiding those who are neglectful of their prayers. Were he to have used a slightly different particle, there would have been a lot of difficulty imposed upon us as a result. But when Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that about those alladhina that ansalatihim sahun, Fortunately, he did not say those fi salatihim sahun and those that were neglectful about the timing of their prayers, not in their prayers, meaning that we've been given an expansive time to pray the vast majority of prayers. Dhuhr, we have a large window for the most part. Between Dhuhr and Asr, we have a large window. Maghrib, the scholarly difference, but according to some scholars, it extends all the way from sunset until the redness in the horizon goes away, and according to some scholars, all the whiteness in the horizon. And there are scholars who have said that the time of Maghrib is short, and you have to pray in the beginning of its time, but then look at Salat al-Isha. After you pray that one prayer, where if you take that opinion that the time is short, then you have all the way until Salat al-Fajr to pray Salat al-Isha. And there's, of course, preferred times to pray, there's better times to pray. But Allah Taala the difference of an or fi, that if it was fi, that would mean that Allah Ta'ala is chiding those. And of course, we're still supposed to concentrate in our prayers, but it would be those who are heedless in their prayers, not of their prayers, which is even more intense of a rebuke. And so, when Allah Ta'ala tells us to be with the sadiqeen, this is for good reason. Because of all of the benefits that come from suhbah, that come from good companionship, being in the presence of the righteous. And this is an understanding that absolutely must become a staple part of our practice of this deen. In these lands in which we live, we need to raise a whole generation who understands the importance of being with the salihin. And this is a very general expression because all the prophets in a sense are also salihin. And on one hand, it's something very lofty. On the other, the scholars have also given a very convenient definition of what a salih is to make it attainable to you and I. The salih is the one that on the day of judgment, his mizan of hasanat, that when your deeds are placed in the scale, that your hasanat, your good deeds, outweigh your sayyat, your bad deeds. And if someone that has that happen to them on Yom Al-Qiyamah, i.e. their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, 
that person is salih. And if it is a female, she is salihah. That is the definition of salih. And that is something that is attainable for all of us. And even though there's of course degrees of the salihin, and the highest degree of the salihin are the prophets themselves, and then after them the siddiqeen, and then after them the shuhada, but still we have this last category of salihin that all of us can at least aspire to. This is in reach of every single last one of us. But what we really need to do then is understand what is the process whereby which that we go about trying to resemble them, trying to follow in their footsteps. But according to the Qur'an, it begins by being in their presence and taking their companionship. And even though this idea sometimes to some people in the lands in which we live is a little bit strange, they might say, okay, great, I believe you, but how exactly do I put that into practice? It's actually a little bit easier than you think. If you look around you, and in the vast majority of our mosques, in the vast majority of our communities, when you mix with people, you will see that there are certain people that are different than others. You will find that there are people that are very careful about their prayers. You will find that when you're with certain people, they don't speak ill of other people. You will find that these people that you interact with, some of them will always be loyal and truthful in all of their dealings. So you will find signs even with people that might be very close to you, that indicate that they're from the Salihin. And of course there are degrees, but this is why it's so important to choose our companions well, to choose the people that we spend time with well. And as it has always been said, ask not about a man or of course a woman, but ask about the companionship that he or she takes. Because a man is upon the religion of his intimate friend. The people that are really close to you, they wouldn't be close to you unless there is a very subtle type of familiarity between you and him. If there's at a heart level some type of resemblance. Because it's very rare to have people that are on opposite sides of the spectrum to really come together and to find companionship. Yes, they might share in one particular trait or in one particular activity. But the people that are really close to you, they are the people that indicate something about yourself. And when we look at our beautiful heritage of all of these beautiful statements that we have from those that came before us, that really, in a sense, are types of commentaries of this verse that we just quoted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book. We find that in attaching our heart to the Salihin, and reading their biographies, learning to love their stories, and trying to take their companionship to the extent possible, is one of the great ways that we can worship our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is one of the great ways that we can put his book and to put the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam in practice. And the beauty here is when we speak of it as stories, when we speak of it as dhikr, 
recollection, or remembering, or mentioning, then we also realize that this is also attainable to everyone. Even if someone were to say, I'm a bit confused, I don't know who the Salihin are. Or even if someone were to go further and say, oh, well, maybe there are actually aren't any Salihin in my particular area. Still, you can attach your hearts to them and benefit immensely from them. Even though they might have lived 1,000 plus years ago by reading their stories. And the blessings that you will get will be similar to the blessings that those who were in their presence during their lifetime also received. And this is why there's a hadith, although there is weakness in the chain that is, in the chain that is narrated in the Musnad of the Firdos of Imam al-Daydami, where our Prophet is reported to have said, ذِكْرَ الصَّالِحِينَ كِفَّارَةٌ لِلْذَنُوبَ Mentioning the righteous is an atonement for sins. Mentioning the righteous is a kafara. It is an atonement for sins. And we find this very important statement, which we might have heard before. But to do tatsil, i.e. mention the source of it, it comes from the earliest of generations. On the tongue of one of the great imams of the salaf, of the righteous predecessors, the great imam Sufyan ibn Uyayna. And when we say this word imam, this is not a word that we should take lightly. When we say the word imam, we're not just referring to an imam in the prayer, although all that's something also great. When we use the word imam to describe the great scholarly contributions that these great people made to whatever sciences that it is that they excelled in, you are talking about the cream of the crop. You're not talking about 1% of the Muslim population during their respective times. You are talking about a fraction of 1%. You are talking about the best of the best of the best. When you talk about any tradition, whether it's a tradition of fiqh, whether it's the tradition in the historical development of aqidah, or any of the other sciences, and the names that come to mind with those various sciences, what percentage of people are you actually talking about? If you look at the science of Ilm al-Karam and or Ilm al-Aqidah and all of the great scholars who made contributions and you talk about the great Imam Abu Hassan al-Ashari, the great Imam Abu Bakr al-Baqilani, when you talk about the great Imam al-Jawaini, when you talk about Imam al-Azari, Imam Fakhr al-Din razi just to name the five probably most important, let alone the many others that contributed, you're talking about the elect of the elect of the elect. So this word imam, it is in a sense a way that you and I verify the source for what it is that is being said. And when we know that they are an imam, it doesn't mean that they are the ma'sum, i.e. divinely protected from error. No, imams can make mistakes. However, it is highly, highly unlikely that a great imam would make a mistake and to have that mistake transmitted in the next generation. Because every single one of these imams had what are known as muhaqqiqun, great scholars who followed in their footsteps, students of theirs, who looked at the knowledge that it is that they put forth and they chose the best of it and then they transmitted that. 
And if they saw that their teachers made mistakes, they had adab, and they had etiquette, and they would clarify what was the truth in the matter. But they would always do so with adab. So it's highly unlikely. And this is the beauty of transmission. That when the imams did make mistakes or maybe there was something that was closer to the truth, if you want to phrase it in that way, it would almost definitely be caught in the generation right after them. If not, in the generation after them. And this is the blessing of transmission. And all of us, every single last one of us, we're all going to make mistakes. We might have insights that we think are true, but we should be open to being corrected, every single last one of us. And if we say something that is true, and we say is something that is consistent with the kitab, and with the sunnah that is from the blessing of Allah Jalla Jalalu, and if we say something that is not consistent, then we only blame our own selves, and we consider that mistake being pointed out to be a blessing from Allah. It's actually a gift that came to us on the hand of our brothers, putting into practice this incredibly and powerful and beautiful golden statement really of Imam Umar bin Shaykh Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab Rahimullah Imran Ahda Ilayya Ayubi. May Allah have mercy upon someone who gifts me my faults. He considered it a hadiyah, a gift. And this relates to faults in general, but it also, of course, relates to mistakes of things that we might say. What did this great Imam Sufyan ibn Uyayna and likewise one of the early greats as well, Sayyidina Ma'ruf al-Karhi, both of them and many others are quoted to have said, and the dhikr al-salihin tanzil al-rahmah. Enda, which here you translate as win. While you are doing dhikr, remembering, recalling their blessed stories, speaking about them, narrating what you've memorized about their lives, the various mawaqif, positions that they took in stances in their respective times, and the attempts that they made to put the Qur'an and Sunnah into practice, despite the challenges that were before them, all of this and more, their biographies and everything that's connected to them, when you mention the salihin, there's something amazing that happens. Rahmah descends. Rahmah descends. And this is the way that we refer to how you and I receive Rahmah. We receive mercy the way that the earth receives rain. It descends. Just as rain comes down from heaven, it comes down from the sky, and then it then goes into the earth. Likewise, that mercy descends upon us. And the reality of its descent is the way that we receive this reality of mercy at the level of the heart. But we speak of it as descent. But it is the heart that receives mercy. And this is not something that we see. But right now as we speak, we are living right now in this moment. On the, and we're experiencing the blessed day of Jummah. And one of the things that Imam al-Sha'arani says, one of the wisdoms of Jummah, and one of the wisdoms why we pray Jummah in congregation, is because the descent of mercy is so intense on the day of Jummah, 
If there wasn't a number of people here there to receive it, it would overwhelm us. So think about a copious amount of rain that comes down upon one particular spot. If it's not spread in the earth, is it actually might damage that spot? Because that our hearts, which are what we need to till in order to receive that that mercy, it's like the earth that's out there that is receiving that rain. Our hearts collectively, and this is why we have to do it in congregation. And according to some ulama, there has to be forty people present. That it's an income, it's an obligation upon them to pray Juma in order for the Juma to be valid. And according to other scholars, there has to be 12. And according to other scholars, there has to be three or four, depending whether or not you include the imam. But all of this is because of the secret of the descent of mercy and what happens on these special days. And even though that we don't see it, it is happening. And it is something that you and I need to tune ourselves into. When and how we can expose ourselves to be able to receive the mercy of Allah Jalla Jalalu. And in the same line, just as we have verses in the Quran that point to the importance of the companionship of the righteous, and just as we have a hadith of the Prophet, and there are many that point to the importance of also attaching our hearts to them and mentioning them. Likewise, is that we have early people as well who also reinforce this and emphasize this. One of the great statements of the great Imam Abu Hanifa, who also was one of the great Imams of this deen. He is quoted to have said, Al-Hikayatu an al-Ulama wa mahasinihim. Stories about the scholars and their great traits. Ahabbu ilayya min kathirin min al-fiqh is more beloved to me than a lot of jurisprudence, a lot of fiqh. And then he gives his reasoning, لِأَنَّهَا because, لِأَنَّهَا آدَابَ الْقَوْمِ Because when you hear their stories, you're learning about the various proprieties of the true people of Allah, the qawm, these great people. That Allah Taala has selected, and what does He mean by the adab of the qom, their etiquettes of these great people? He means by that is what we've already indicated, how it is that they put the essential message of the Quran into practice. In learning how they did it, inspires us to do it, and gives us practical ways also to make it a part of our lives as well. And some of them have said as well, furthering this idea of the importance of mentioning the righteous. Al-Hikayat, ay'an al-Salihin, stories of the righteous are a jundun min junudillahi ta'ala. They're an army, a host from among the armies or the hosts of Allah ta'ala. So it's like an army. And what is an army? The army is there to fulfill a specific purpose. It could be going on the offensive to achieve something. It could be going on the defensive to protect something. But the army that is that marshaled for a particular purpose to be achieved. And Allah Ta'ala has junood. That there are hosts and armies that He has, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the angels that inspire the believers with good are an example of one of His armies, subhanahu wa ta'ala.
and the stories of the righteous according to this statement. And some attribute it to Imam al-Junaid. This is likewise one of his armies, Tabaraka wa ta'ala. And what is the purpose of marshalling these armies that come in the form of stories of the awliya? Yuthabbitu biha quluba awliya'ihi. In order to make the hearts of his saints, the awliya, the righteous, firm. And what is the shahid? What is the proof that comes from the book of Allah in relation to this? Allah says, and we relate to you the anba, the news, the tales, the stories of the messengers. That what? Who came before you. Whereby which through these stories we make your heart firm. And here, who is Alayka referring to? Up to you. This is first and foremost referring to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi And if this is one of the wisdoms of that heart of his, which is the firmest of all hearts, which is the most steadfast of all hearts, how much are you and I in need of this then? And this led one of them to say, مَا رَأَيْتُ لِلْقَلْبِ أَنْفَعَ مِنْ ذِكْرِ الصَّالِحِينَ I found nothing more beneficial to the heart than to mention the righteous. Nothing is more beneficial to the heart. And I guarantee you, if you look at what are the things that you and I speak about when we're with our friends? What are the things the vast majority of us speak about? What happened last night in the basketball game or whatever sport is being played or the World Series or some YouTube video that we watched or that worse yet, that something bad about other people or mistakes that people made or whatever else. If we make the substance of our conversation the righteous, and I've been around people that are like this, they don't like to talk about even permissible things, let alone things that are negative, let alone things that are pessimistic, let alone things that are wrong and that unlawful to speak about. They want the conversation to be uplifting. And when you leave the presence of these individuals, you feel rejuvenated. There's enough out there already that is bringing us down and causing us anxiety and leading us to depression. We don't need to give in to that. We should recapture that our state with Allah Jalla Jalalu by mentioning the righteous. And then we have this blessed statement of Hujjat al-Islam Imam Ghazali where he says, وَإِذَا تَعَذَّرَتْ رُؤْيَتُهُمْ وَمُصَاحَبَتُهُمْ If you are unable to see them with your eyes or to take their companionship فَلَا شَيْءَ أَنْفَعَ لِلْقُلُوبِ وَالنَّفْسِ مِنْ سَمَاعِ أَحْوَالِهِمْ Nothing is more beneficial for the heart and the soul than to what? than to hear about their various states, to listen to their stories. And to learn about how they were in relation to worship and the way that they were so devoted to the worship of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. And then what was the result of that? But then when they returned to Allah Ta'ala, 
that there's no being tired anymore. And the only thing that remains is the reward what they get. And the bliss that they experience eternally. So this led him to say, that never ends and never ceases. What great dominion they have. Anything that we have and we think that we own in this world now, on the day where Allah addresses creation, to whom does the dominion belong today? We will be thinking about everything that we quote unquote owned in this world very, very differently. But those who receive the eternal gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in a sense that it's the dominion that they experience and possess, if you will, what great dominion they have. And how remorseful those who did not follow in those footsteps will be. And then, to end this point, there's this amazing statement in the beginning of a book titled Salwat al-Anfas by the great Sheikh Muhammad bin Ja'far al-Kattani, a Moroccan scholar from the family of the Prophet He introduces his work that's about the blessed city of Fez and all of the great scholars and all of the righteous folk that walked in those blessed streets and used to live there and would teach there. He has this incredibly beautiful way of talking about the importance of their stories where essentially he is framing his book and why it is that he wrote it. And what he says is, essentially, mentioning the Salihin is a means for... And he lists a number of things. First and foremost, as we've already talked about, mercy to descend. But then, ni'am, favors from Allah to be bestowed. It's a means as well for barakat, blessings to be received. It's a means as well for nafahat to be gifted. What are all of these things? What else do we want in life, really? What else do you want besides rahmah, mercy? Ni'am, favors, barakat, blessings, nafahat, spiritual breezes. What else do you want in life? If we really knew, this is what we would be seeking. But he goes on to say, it's also a means for felicity to be attained in all of one's states. And uses the word in the harakat and the sakanat. All of your times of movement and all of your times of stillness. But in addition to that, it's also a means for calamities in difficulties to be removed. For calamities and difficulties to be removed. The more that you meet the righteous, the more that difficulties and calamities will be removed from you. And then in relation to your own state before your Lord in traveling the spiritual path and for hearts to be, back, be brought back to life. If your heart's dead, the best way to resuscitate it is through the mentioning of the righteous. And also, for your hearts to be awakened from their sleep. If they're heedless, there's no better way than reaching, reading their stories and mentioning the stories of the righteous. And also for hearts to be directed towards their goal. What's the goal? Look at the beauty in this. What's the goal of life? As defined by how we understand the book of Allah and the sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ. To know our Lord. This is one of the greatest fruits of all. Your heart will be directed towards the goal of life. 
the per to experience the purpose of life, all from reading their stories and mentioning them. And then your azam, your resolution will be strengthened. We fall weak. We want to achieve something and then part way in it, we're ready to give up. That we start something and then it becomes difficult or it's not the way that we expected it to be and we're ready to throw in the towel. No, by attaching your hearts to the righteous and reading the stories, you will attain resolution to be able to complete what it is that you've set out to do. And then you will also be nourished spiritually. And what is more important really than that? And there's this amazing story where there was a student studying with his teacher. And the teacher was teaching him hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And during the class, he closes the book. And then he starts to tell stories of the righteous. And the student is thinking in his own self, wait a second, he was just teaching hadith of Rasulullah ﷺ. He closed the book, and now he's telling me stories of the salihin. How could he do this? Obviously that the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is greater than these stories of the righteous. And then he addressed his student because he realized that he didn't think something was right. And he quoted to him that same statement that was previously attributed to Imam Junain, that he said, stories of the righteous are an army of the armies of Allah, that he makes the hearts of his righteous firm through them. And so then he said, I started to sweat and I realized the truth of what it is that he's saying. And then he again quoted the, the verse in the Quran. And we relate to you, O Prophet, the stories of the messengers to make your heart firm. If we bring this into our life and that we make it a reality and we start to read these great books and alhamdulillah increasingly in English, there are many, many more options. And then we try to visit them if we can outwardly and try to be around the best people possible. Possible, We will then put into that practice the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His command. In fact, وَكُونُوا مَعَصَادِكِينَ And be with the people of sincerity. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ لِيُولَكُمْ وَلِجِمِينَ مُسْلِمِينَ فَاسْتَغْفِرُهُ فِنَغْفُرُ الرَّحِيمِ Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadan, ashraf al-anbiya'i wa mursaleen, wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin, wa sahabati rakrami wa tabin, wa nawm bi-ihsan ila yawmiddin, wa alayna ma'hum wa fihim bi-rahmatika ya rahmur rahimin, wa shanuwa la ilaha illallah, wa shanuwa muhammadan rasulullah, ma ba'ja ibadallah, inni musikum wa nafsi iyaaya bi taqwa Allah. إن الله ملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن سادتنا خلفاء الرشيدين أبي بكر وعثمان وعلي وجميع أهل بيت الرسول لله المطهرين من الأرجاس وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين المؤمنات 
المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزننا رحمة من عندك نسعد بها في الدنيا والآخرة ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وفينا عذاب النار آواكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعدكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروا على نعمه يزلكم ولذكر الله أكبر